if you are a guest with us at Fuse, we want to make sure that you know how much we're glad you're here. Uh, super thankful for you visiting with us today. I hope you have a blast tonight. Um, and, and so this is just kind of a place in the middle of the week where we want to come together, hang out with some friends, have some fun, and maybe learn a little more about the Bible together. Um, and specifically, this is a great time to start visiting a church like ours because specifically what we're doing um, this month is we're learning about the Bible. And we talked last week uh, about how we have these, these tendencies to get sucked into YouTube conspiracy theories. And hours later, we've kind of realized that we've given up hours and hours of our day kind of like doing nothing but staring at a screen. But we're learning about these things that get explained. And what we want to do this series is we want to explain kind of the basics of the Bible and where it came from. And what we said last week was a lot of times people feel guilty, especially if they go to church and they're in like middle school, high school, for like not knowing all the ins and outs of the Bible. But who could expect a teenager to know everything about the Bible? I know that I felt a little bit like a level of guilt because I went to church all my life but I didn't necessarily pay attention to every single moment of every single lesson. Maybe that's you too. And so there would just be times where Bible trivia would pop up and I'm like, oh boy, I don't really know anything about anything. And what I've learned just from my own personal journey, this is really what I want to unpack for you this series, is that as I got more and more curious about what's actually going on in this book, because I got more and more curious about what life is all about, I started to learn that some of the pictures that were represented to me uh, by different people, by pastors or by the world or by the, by the news or by people that don't even believe in the Bible may not have been that accurate. And as soon as I decided to read it for myself, then I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm starting to get why people misunderstand the Bible. But you got to start somewhere. And for some of you... Um, just, you know, it's like, man, I don't, I don't, I'm just going to kind of open. And so you might have done that thing where you're like, I don't know, I'm just going to kind of read my Bible. And you open up to a very like scary verse, like there's fire and there's, the earth was shaking. You're like, oh gosh, I'm never doing that again. And there's not much of that, right? There's, it's there a little bit. Um, and so there's, there's got to be kind of an explanation. And that's what we're here for. Now, if I was to tell you a story that I heard about a guy who was getting married to a girl, and they were kind of from two different kinds of families. And so the wedding was interesting because at the wedding, you know, you got two different kinds of families coming into one room, and that can be nerve-wracking for a lot of people. And in this particular wedding, the, uh, there was a bunch of guys, friends with the groom, and, and the groom decides to tell this riddle. And the riddle um, is put out there, and the groomsmen are like, man, we don't exactly know kind of what's going on here. And so they're kind of trying to hatch the riddle and, and they ended up hatching it, but not just because they're smart, but because they talked to someone who you're like, where's the story going? It's going somewhere, I promise you. And so they kind of got a hint on what the riddle meant. They went back to the groom and said, ha ha, we, we know what the riddle's all about. Well, the groom gets mad, leaves his, leaves his wedding, kills a bunch of people. And then he ends up, he goes like really nuts. This is, this is crazy. He, he takes a bunch of foxes and he lights their tails on fire, and then he sets them loose, and he burns all the fields. And uh, EJ, thank you. Thank you. So EJ is spoiling the story for us, okay? EJ said, Samson, that story's in the Bible. Now, some of you are like, and that's why I don't read the Bible, <laughs> right? Um, that's, a, that's a crazy story. Um, and here's what, I've, here's what I've learned, and I'm going to be 
absolutely honest with you. When I was your age, and sometimes when I'm my age, I read things in the Bible, and I'm like, whew, that's a lot. That story's crazy. What do I do with that story? There's verses like that, right? There's verses where you're like, my goodness, what is this verse even saying? Like, we don't use that language anymore, and so verses can be kind of crazy. The stories can be outlandish and just kind of from a different time. Um, and so some of those are really, really hard. Sometimes we hit like those moments where we're commanded to do something in the Bible and you're like, I don't know if that matches up to like what we do in 2022. Anyone ever had that moment? Just want to be honest. Like, yeah, like sometimes I read the Bible and like, yeah, it feels kind of, feels kind of weird. feels kind of strange. And here's what I want to tell you. The Bible, we said this last week, I'll say it again. The Bible can be mysterious. The Bible can absolutely be mysterious. And it is mysterious because it wasn't written in 2022, right? It was written like over the course of, I don't know, a thousand plus years from 40 different authors, but it was like 2,000 years ago. This is when scripture was being written. And so it was a different time. And the further we trek into the future, the farther we get away from when the Bible was written. But here's what we believe. This is like so important for you to understand. What we believe is that the Bible doesn't lose its relevance even though we're, it was written 2,000 years ago. Even though some of it seems to be shocking. Even though some of it seems to be confusing. It doesn't lose its relevance. And here's what I would say. Even take a step up higher, I would say that the Bible is our written authority from God. Now, now, some of it has commands. That's an authority to us. Like, it's our boss. It tells, tells us how to live. And you're like, see, that's what I don't like. But here's what I think we're missing. We're like, I don't want to be told how to live. But if you read the Bible, this is what I discovered for myself that I would love to just download into your brain. Is that when I read the Bible for myself for the first time, and I scribbled in it and in the margins and took notes and highlighted, and I was like, what is going on here? What I found was that from cover to cover, yes, there's some tough passages, but by and large, it's the story of a God who created everything and called us kind of like the crowning achievement of his, his creation. Like he called us good. He's got a purpose for us that's higher than the animals we've been created and given as early as, as the first couple chapters in Genesis that we're supposed to have dominion over all of creation. And he's got a plan and a purpose for us. And he has sent his son across the universe to be born in a, in a trough in a barn to rescue us like, he didn't come to rescue um, all the, the plants and the trees. You know why? Because the plants and the trees are not rebelling. The plants and the trees are not sinning. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. So we have kind of found ourselves in this. We're the ones who have been created with this massive purpose, but we're also the only ones who have been created that are kind of like rebelling against that. And that's kind of the story of the Bible because all through the Bible, God is patiently and bravely and courageously pursuing us at different steps. And sometimes God gets angry. Why does God get angry? Because he's always angry. No. I mean, yes, God's anger is there. God's love is there. He's got lots of different emotions. But he gets angry because after everything, we still are like, no, we're going to create this little thing and call it God and we're going to worship it because we made it and that makes sense. That is nuts, 
right? That is nuts. No, we're going to, we know you've given us everything. We know that like this call can't be an accident. Like the fact that I'm living and breathing right now is kind of a miracle. But you know what? I'm going to give my life to this thing (laughs) or my boyfriend or my girlfriend or just whatever I care about. And God's like, please, please, are you serious? And don't think that we're ragging on you guys because every adult that's in here is here because we care about you because you know who else made that mistake? Us. You know who still makes that mistake? Us. And so the Bible is this, this over the course of of a thousand plus years from 40 different authors, two different testaments, 66 books, kind of contains the same message, which is God is king. He created us with a purpose. We rebelled. And so he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sin so that we could have life and eternity with him. And then he gives us some guidelines. You know why? Because he, he created all of this and he says, hey, listen, I'm going to give you free will, but if you want to live the way that you were created to live, then here's a couple things you might want to consider. And we're like, no, no, we're good. We're going to choose our own path. And what do you think happens when creations tell the creator, no thanks, we're good, right? What did Peter say? No, Lord, Remember, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. What does Lord mean? Master, right? The one who is in charge, the decision maker and everything. So here's what I want to do tonight specifically, okay? That's kind of the big overall picture of the Bible. This is not really going to be like a sermon where I'm like preaching. I know some of it maybe feels preachy. But what I would like to do right now is just teach you something. And what I would like to teach you specifically is how sometimes we take a verse and we pluck it right out of the Bible and we put it on a coffee cup and we're like, look how pretty this verse is, but we didn't read it for its whole meaning because we're just looking at the little verse and not in the context that it was written. So I'm going to show you a verse that we do this with maybe most of all. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, or through Christ who strengthens me. Anyone heard this verse? Anyone see this plastered on your football locker room? Anyone seen this on a coffee cup or some kind of puff paint grandma sweater, right, at Christmas time? She gave it to you at Christmas, and you're like, thanks, grandma, I love it. All my friends are going to think I'm so cool. Um, But this is a verse that gets plucked out of context more than almost any other verse. You know what I mean by context? The word context really just means, I don't have like a dictionary definition for you, but it essentially means um, if there's a whole conversation, don't pick one thing out and not take everything else into consideration. Okay, so imagine. Imagine if you're having a little drama with your friends. Okay? Now, anyone ever had drama with their friends? Someone's like, so I'm having drama with my friend right next to me right now, and I can't like raise my hand because then there'll be more drama and... and I love it. I love being here and not there. That's fun. So imagine I had someone today tell me that they texted something to somebody 
And then that person got really upset because what happened? They read the text not in the tone that was uh, meant, but in the tone that they felt, which is cold and dark and angry because it's just a text, which, by the way, iOS 16 just came out and gave you the opportunity. Just, hey, listen, if you are like a non-iPhone user, first of all, we don't care, okay? <laughs> Second of all, ha, just kidding, just kidding. So they, they just rolled out this technology where you can unsend a text. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. Needed that for like, I don't know, my whole life, right? So someone says something via text, and the person blows up and says, quit telling me how to live. This happened today. Quit telling me how to live my life. Blah, you always judging me, blah, 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 you know? And uh, the person's like, I was giving them a compliment. And they took it. Way out of context. Anyone ever happen? That, that happened to you? Yeah. This morning. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's something funny. We do this with the Bible. And in this case, what ends up happening with this verse, I want, I want you to focus on this because here's where people get this verse wrong. Because, hear me, you cannot make this verse mean something that the author did not intend. Okay? Now, if I write something or if I say something with an intended meaning, I said these words today to somebody. In fact, I think it was to Eli, if Eli's in here. I don't know. I said, Eli, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to need you to not read between the lines. You know what that means? Just don't, don't read into it. Don't be like, I wonder if he really meant this. Or it's like I'm giving you black and white language right now. Language right now. I'm telling you what I intend to say. You ever have someone take your words and twist them? That's not fun either. So, check it out. The Bible has an intended meaning. I would even say an objective meaning. You know what the word objective means? There's objective and there's subjective, okay? Subjective over here says, I as a subject can kind of decide what I think this means. Sometimes we do this with art. Sometimes we do this. I have a friend who's a musician who I'll say, like, hey, what did that song mean? And he go, what do you think it means? And I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> Can you just tell me what it means? Because I'm going to make it about me, and you're going to be like, no, that's not what it means at all, you idiot. Um, I'm always, like, afraid that's going to happen. So there's, there's a, a reason he wrote the song that he penned the lyrics that he wrote. So there's this subjective, like, ah, oh, I kind of feel like, you ever, like, it's kind of like you go to a, um, like a museum, and you're looking at paintings, and you're like, what do you see? What, what emotion is evoked and all this kind of stuff? But then objective says, that's that, and that's not anything else. Like, it has an objective truth. It is what it is. And objective is like if I say this, I like apples. I don't, I don't need you to go home and be like, you know what I really think he meant? He hates apples. Because he said it with a tone, and he had kind of a look in his... No, no, no. I like apples. That's, object, that's me saying an objective truth. There was an objective meaning to this verse, but you can't know it unless you read the whole chapter. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, through him who strengthens me. What could that mean? Man, I tell you what. So I'm in like a, a weight loss challenge right now. By the way, 10 pounds down. That's right. Uh, yes, sir. I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to conquer it. And, and remember, if I lose all my weight, Eli takes all the punishment. Can't wait. All right. So, um, so we're going to get, you're going to have a face tattoo in June. I can't wait. All right. 
So, so it's like, whoa, <laughs> that was written down. Um, so, so the thing is, is that I'm on this weight loss challenge and I can't just like step on the scale. You know what the scale is? <laughs> Objective. <laughs> and rude. <laughs> I step on that scale every morning and it's not like, hey, you know what? You looking good, so let's knock off a couple pounds and make me feel good about myself. It's like, nope, you are fat. You're fatty, fat, fat, fat. Here's how fat you are, right? <laughs> to the tenth of a pound. It's objective. I, I, I wish I could make it say something else, but I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to lose the weight, then I'm just going to have to do the work of figuring out how to do that. If I want to know what this passage means, you got to read it in context. So Paul is writing this book called Philippians to the Philippian church. Okay? Very creative. Very creative title. So think about it this way. If you want to understand what this verse means, you got to kind of read the sentences around it. And I would say the whole chapter. If you really want to know what the verse means, and it kind of balloons out, if you really want to know what the verse means, you got to read the whole book, this letter. Okay? This letter's four chapters long, you could read it over the course of like 10 minutes in your bedroom, right? If you really want to know what it's all about. But if you just read this verse, you start thinking, well, I can sprout wings and I can fly because Christ strengthens me. But no. In verse 6 and 7, okay, this is not the whole chapter because we don't have the whole night, but in verses 6 through 7, it says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that's asking God for supply. That's what supplication means, asking him to give you things that you need. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pause there for just a second, um, if you can go back to six. So don't, don't be anxious about anything. Does that sound like I can sprout wings and fly? No, he's talking about when we worry about stuff, when we're anxious about stuff, don't, don't be anxious. Pray. Ask the Lord for help. He's going to skip. I'm going to skip a couple of verses. Go to verse 11. Um, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. This really sums up what this chapter is talking about, what this whole book is talking about. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. I, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. That word abundance, abound, having more than you need, overflowing, right, and, and needing something. We've all had moments where we're like wearing our favorite outfit, school goes well, like you got, an a, you got an A on the test and everything's going right. And then we've all had bad days where like everything seems like it's going the opposite direction, not, not having a great day. What Paul is saying here is that like in any and every life circumstance, what I found is that I know how to be in all these different scenarios. How? Verse 13, <laughs> I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This verse is not about doing anything you want to do and saying, God will take care of it. It's just saying, in great moments and in tough moments, I know how to be content because I find my joy in Jesus because I'm not going to be anxious and kind of cradle in my own anxiety. I'm going to give those things to God because what did verse 6 say? Don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So here's what you can't do. 
and none of us can afford to do is we can't just look at verse 13 and be like, I know what that means. We're going to win this football game. Am I right? Because God strengthens us. No, no. If it's on your locker room, whatever, but like that's not what the verse means, right? The Bible has an intended meaning. And every time you read something, you got to read it in context. And here's the thing that I want you to remember, just the one point, is that context creates clarity. It makes it become clear to you. Now, if you've ever been in a place where you're like, I don't really understand what this verse is saying, what this passage is saying, totally get it. I've been there. Sometimes I'm still there. And so that's why we say we always want you to know that you don't have to be an expert like a Bible scholar to be a part of church or to be a part of Fuse. We are so glad that you're here. Depending on you're a Christian or not a Christian, doesn't matter, okay? And here's why we're here, because we want to explain how all this works, okay? Three questions that I want you to answer every time you're reading the Bible um, is who wrote this, to whom was it written, and then why is this in the Bible? And you may not be able to like answer those questions very easily. Let me give you a hint. If you're struggling with answering some of those questions, we're here to help. That's why we do what we do. And so if you're ever like, hey, I'm kind of struggling with understanding what this passage is saying. We would love nothing more than to help you understand. Or let me just get even more serious with you, okay? There's a lot of things going on in culture that would say that Christianity is not okay or Christian, like that sermons or that, that church sermons or whatever are hate speech or they're against our culture or, or anything like that. And here's what we see in the Bible, and I can prove it to you chapter and verse why we don't believe what the Bible has to say. Before you freak out, I dare you to help us understand what you're struggling with so that we can help you understand what those passages mean. Now, I will tell you this. Absolutely, there are some hard passages in there. I would tell you my, my, my point of view on our world is that we've drifted so far away from what's happening in this book that this book seems crazy to most people. Actually, there is a verse in here that says, that the gospel is, is foolishness to those who are perishing. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. What does that mean? If you are not a Christian, of course this is crazy. Of course this is crazy. But you know what? I had one person in my life named, named Danny Anderson who sat down and taught me the scriptures that's why I so, I so value all of our volunteers, especially those who are teaching the Bible on Sunday mornings to just help unpack all that for you. Because at some point, if you're confused, I dare you to come and bring that like, question to us. And I'm not saying that we have all the answers, but we'd love to guide you and help you. Because if the Bible, if the point of the Bible is to show us who God is, here's my thing. You can't afford to guess at what it means. If all of this life and eternity hinges on what's in that book, you can't afford to guess at what it means. So my challenge to you is, will you just take us up on the challenge to learn more about what it means? Now, come back next week. 
Eli's got a crazy powerful message about the actual power. There's, and I don't mean like, whoa, that's a powerful sermon. I mean the actual power in the words of Scripture that I guarantee will change your perspective on what you think about the Bible. Okay? So come back next week. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for everything that you're doing in our student ministry. Lord, thank you for these words that do have an objective, intended meaning to us that we would get to know you and your son and, and, and figure out what this life is all about and that, that we're supposed to find our purpose and our identity in you. Oh, thank you for that, Lord. In all the ways that we're confused and maybe we have some questions, I do pray that we would maybe engage those questions. Maybe we'd take a step of bravery in asking those questions out loud and that maybe we'd be able to help that student walk through that. Lord, we love you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.